Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Hey, Church Pastor Jurgen here. What a thrill to be launching our marriage and relationship series today with you. I've got an incredibly powerful word. The title of my message today is actually a, a steal from a Bruce Springsteen song. Everybody has a hungry heart. Everybody has a hungry heart. Every single human being is hungry, not just for food, not just for water, but hungry for love, hungry for affirmation, for affection, to be valued, to be cherished, to be honored, to be championed. That there's a, there's a hunger in us to to want to perform, to want to produce, to want to succeed, and, uh, and so today we're going to jump into the scriptures because believe it or not. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking through right now, you're not the first one. The devil would love you to believe that it's so unique to you, that you are, you are a, a train wreck, that you are beyond help, that what you're struggling with, what you're walking through, nobody's ever walked. It's a big lie. You will find that the Bible has repeat, repeat, repeat what you're walking through. Thousands of years ago, people walked through the same thing and for thousands of years have been walking through those same things and the Bible captures those things and then gives you great answers. So I want you to open your Bibles with me just in the few moments that we have together to Genesis 29, Genesis 29. I'm going to be reading this morning from the NIV, the nearly inspired version. So close, so close. So Genesis 29 verse uh, 31 says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Now, let me just kind of pause there, give you the background. How do we land on verse 31? Well, I don't want to read the whole, whole lot of this story because I'm going to tell some of the story and then it would just kind of kill time. So there's, there's a guy called Jacob. He becomes Israel. He moves from where he was living to Padamaram and he's working for his uncle Laban. And uncle Laban says to him, hey, listen, you know, I don't want you, you're my nephew. I don't want you to work for me for free. Tell me what will your wages be? And he says, well, actually, I noticed you got, you got two daughters. One of them's a little haughty. One of them looks a lot like Leanne Rooney. I mean, one of, I like Rachel. What about, what about if I serve you seven years you give me Rachel as my bride, as my wife. And Laban says, oh my gosh, yeah, better giving her to you than some other pagan guy. So the Bible says that Jacob works for Rachel for seven years, seven years. He works for this beautiful young lady. And at the end of seven years, he actually has to go and remind his his future father-in-law, hey, uh, seven years is up. Hello, please give me my wife. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. What we're going to do, we're going to have like a big celebration. There's going to be a, a feast and wine and everything. And then when it's all said and done, you go into your tent and wait and I'll bring it to you. Well, Laban, instead of bringing Rachel, decides that he's going to bring Rachel's sister. Now, we don't know why... He brought the sister. 
The Bible says that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. The Bible says, it doesn't say a lot, always positive. God is always positive, always sees the glass half full. The Bible just says about Leah that Leah had delicate eyes. So we're not sure what delicate eyes means, whether she just blinked a lot in the lights or whether one eye was staring at the other eye. We're not sure what it was. All we know, all we know is that, that he, uh, Jacob wasn't into delicate eyes. He's like, yeah, you know, delicate eyes is not my thing. But I like Rachel. She's beautiful in form and appearance. And so on the wedding night, because Jacob had been a deceiver, and this is a whole nother point, but Jacob, because he'd been a deceiver, you can't, you can move geography, you can move to another country, another state, another zip code, but you take you wherever you go. And the law of sowing and reaping isn't limited to your geography. It's not limited to to your zip code, not even your nation. So Jacob, who has been a deceiver over here, moves to another part of the world only to find that he reaps the harvest of what he sowed over there. And on his wedding night, he's in the tent. All right, lights out, lights out. And instead of bringing Rachel, he ends up with Leah. And because it's dark and because it's been seven years, you can't blame Jacob. He wakes up the next morning. Oh, and and there's, there's Leah. Hi. Good morning, husband. And I mean, it's, it's, and so he comes storming out of the tent. Why did you deceive me? And Laban makes up some, some crock about, well, you know, it's, we, it's not lawful to give the younger before the older. So I tell you what. Now that you've slept with her, you're married to her, so you can work for me for another seven years for her and, you know, I'll throw Rachel in at the end of the week. And so that's literally what happened. But, but Jacob didn't, didn't love, Ra- uh, love Leah, he loved Rachel. So the Bible says that, that when the Lord saw, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved... So just just pause there for a second. Sometimes we can read scripture, but not not understand, not comprehend, not capture scripture. When the Lord, who is the Lord? The Lord is is God. Who is God? The Bible says God is love. So when love saw that Leah was unloved. So there's a God in heaven who is love and he looks down and when he sees a woman who is married, who is intimate with her husband, but is not loved. Love says, oh, I've, got to, I've got to intervene. I've got to step in. This is, this is not how life is meant to be. When love saw that she was unloved, love came. And watch what happens. So the Lord enabled her. He enabled her to conceive. Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, because the Lord had heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Verse 34, again, she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So she named him Levi, which means attached. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing children. 
But if you go over to, to chapter 30, God opens her womb again. It says, and God listened to Leah and she became, became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. And then she, Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my husband, my servant to my husband. So she named him Issachar, which means reward. Verse 19, Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Today I want to talk to you about the, the six areas of, of the human heart that we long for, six areas, and each one of these, and understand there are only 12 sons that Israel had. Half of them came through Leah. Half of the tribes of Israel came, he had four wives, but half of, six out of the 12, came from this one woman who was unloved. God so blessed her. She became the mother of Judah. Isn't it interesting that the one that he rejected would produce Judah, who would bring Jesus, who would also be rejected by the children of Israel and end up being the, the Messiah, our beloved, who betrothes us back to God. So let me give you the, the, the first one. The first one is to be seen, is to be seen. The human heart, there's something in our hearts that we long to be seen. I'm not talking about just being noticed. I'm talking about being door, adored, being cherished, being valued. There's something about being seen. If you talk to somebody who came from dysfunction or, or abuse or brokenness or rejection. Maybe they came from a home where uh, mom and dad were too busy, mom and dad were divorced, um, teachers were, were nasty or cruel or they were overlooked or, you know, undervalued. There's almost, there's almost like a cry on the inside of them that says this, you know, I'll, I'll show them. I'll show them. One day they'll see. There's a longing in us for, for people to see, to see me, not just to see me as I am, but to, to see intrinsic value. When God looks at a human, he sees beyond our faults, our flaws. You know, the world that we live in is, is that's why the Bible talk, talks about the spirit of this world and the spirit of God. The spirit of this world is a very, very cruel uh, spirit. It will, it, it will, it will, set up measures that God never sets up, that you have to be a certain height, a certain weight, a certain color, a certain style, a certain value, uh, have a certain economics. The, the, the world has a measuring standard that you don't want to measure yourself against. You want to come into the kingdom and recognize that God loves you because you carry his image. You bear the Imago Dei and that God sees beyond the outside. Remember when um, there's a beautiful story where, where Samuel has come to Jesse of Bethlehemite's house to anoint one of the sons as a king. And when Eliab comes, and Eliab is a commander in the Israeli army, he's tall, he's handsome. And as soon as Samuel sees him, he says, my God, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. And God says, do not look at him for I have refused him. I've rejected him for God does not see as a man sees. The men look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks onto the intrinsic values of the heart. Don't anoint him, I've rejected him. And it ended up being David that was chosen. 
if you and I walk according to God's measure and according to God's standards, every single one of us long to people see beyond my weakness, beyond my dysfunctions, beyond my mistakes, beyond my brokenness, do they see that there's value in me? One of the highest grossing movies was James Cameron's Avatar. And the the, the turning point in in that that movie is where the, the alien girl says to Jake Sully, she looks at Jake Sully and she looks into his eyes and she says, I see you, Jake Sully. I see you. He was part of the, the, the infiltration team to, to try to win these people's trust so they could mine all the ore and the resources, plunder, plunder the, the region and take it back to earth. But when she looked into his eyes and she says, you know, I see you. I see something in you. I see a goodness in you. I see a worth in you. I see a value in you. There is nothing more powerful than, than for you to look into your spouse's eyes and see beyond their faults, beyond their mistakes, and see their value. The word intimacy that everybody wants, we live in a world where pornography basically captures and promotes intimacy, but there's no intimacy. The, 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 these people are just paid to act. They, they have no love, they have no no, no nurture, no care for one another. They can do intimate things, but there's no intimacy because real intimacy literally means into me see, into me see. And every single human being longs for somebody who can into me see and then echo back worth, echo back value, echo back beauty, echo back potential in church is the same as in marriage. God spoke to me many, many years ago. In fact, it was a vision that I had of angels measuring me. And I thought they were measuring me for a new suit. And uh, and then I was kind of the third third party in this, this vision. And God actually, I heard the angels say, actually, we're, we're measuring you to see how well you treat your bride so that we know how much of his bride that we can trust you with. And I know that, that my, my beautiful Liani, what she needs most from me, and it's the same when you come to church. A great church is a place where people see beyond the facade, see beyond the fig leaves. Remember Adam and Eve, fig leaves? They see beyond the performance. They see beyond. We want all of our teams. We want all of our leaders. We want all of our campus pastors to see beyond somebody's ink and scars and mistakes and prison record or whatever, to actually see how God sees, to see the value, the intrinsic value, to see the gold beyond the dirt and bring that gold out and move the dirt. Everybody longs to be seen. Number two, number two is to be heard. Simeon means to be heard. A few years ago at, uh, at our Emerge Men's Conference, we had this, had this moment that was, that it so struck out. I was on the sideline, my, my, my handsome little, little guy, well, he's not so little anymore, but he was my youngest of my three sons. Tommy was running, running the rite of passage. I think it was probably the third or fourth time he was running it. And, you know, dads, you got to run alongside, but there were ropes you couldn't get in. You, you had to kind of stay outside the ropes, but all the dads came out and began to cheer on. And I, and I remember there was a, a moment where he was running through the gauntlet and he got knocked down and he had some friends running with him and they got knocked down and he got up and ran again, got knocked down again, ran, got knocked down again. And then I noticed one of the kids who was much bigger than Tommy, looked physically more developed than Tommy, 
was laying on the ground after he got knocked down, maybe two at the most three times, and was and just began to cry and say, I can't go, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't, and quit. And then I watched, and there was there was other kids getting knocked down by some of our bullies with these big pads, and they weren't getting up. And then all of a sudden I hear Pastor Andre Johnson. I hear him behind me because Champa just run through and got knocked down. And instead of yelling for his boy, he's yelling at the guys with the pads going, is that all you got? Hit him harder. And I'm like, what the Jack Daniels is going on here? He's yelling at the guys to hit his boy even harder. And I remember just watching Champ look over at, at his dad and, uh, and, and just this grit and this determination. He gets up and just runs again, gets knocked down. And Andre again, instead of yelling for, for Champ, yells at the guys, come on, you can hit him harder than that. Give it all to him. And I see Champ run and then as he's about to hit these guys brace and he just does this spin and gets around. But then I look and these other kids are still laying on the ground and the Holy Spirit said to me, do you see what happened there? And I'm like, explain. And he said, the kids that are on the ground that have quit, that don't get up, the reason is they don't hear their father's voice in the crowd. They cannot hear. The crowd is cheering. Everybody's cheering for them. And just because everybody's cheering, there's a frequency that a father's voice carries. And because there was no father's voice cheering for them, they, they, they literally gave up. Champ could hear his daddy. And when he heard his daddy cheering for the guys to knock him down, Champ just thought, wow, my dad actually sees greater strengths. He actually sees no matter how hard these guys hit me, he sees something in me that is greater. And he was able, so I remember climbing under the rope and picking up a couple of these young guys and running with them through. And I think that the guys went a little bit soft because, you know, pastors running with these kids, got them to, to the finish line, but there was nobody, no daddy to meet them at the finish line to say to them, I'm proud of you, to say to them, I love you, to say to them, well done and and put the the medallion over their neck every single one of us long to be heard there's something about a voice there's something about a voice that comes and tells us we're good do you know if you, if you watch a baby like we're, we're now grandparents we have little baby joel little baby joel already and he's i mean it's illegible but he thinks he's communicating he doesn't yet speak, but he's communicating. So that means that we, we long to be heard be, before we can communicate. That, that there's something in us that we long, a baby cries because it wants to be heard. I remember years ago, my friend adopted uh, twins from Africa twin boys and when when the adoption agency came around after two months to just kind of do a, a spot check and see how they were acclimating and adjusting. That they, the mum and dad said, well, you know, wow, these kids are incredible. They don't even cry. They, they, they don't cry at, at night. They, they, they're amazing, you know. But we do notice that they, they, they don't know how to respond to affection and there's, there's almost a, a, a wall between them. They can't receive and, and the, the adoption agency representative had to say, well, actually, they're one and the same issue. And they're like, we don't understand. Well, you need to understand like they would cry and cry and cry but nobody ever came. And because their cries were not heard, their cries fell on deaf ears, they just knew there's no point crying 
nobody's coming. So now when you shower them with love and affection, the reason that they're shut down is because the same voice that cried out for love and affection and comfort that fell on deaf ears, that same voice is now muzzled and they don't know, they don't want to risk. As you come, attend to their cry, you will find those walls begin to come down. There's something in us that longs to be heard. You know, a great wickedness that we saw uh, in, in 2020 and a great wickedness that we see around the world is wicked governments take away the voice of the people. When the people's votes are overrode through dominion software or, you know, Joseph Stalin said, it's not he who votes that counts, it's he who counts the votes. And one of the great tragedies, it never bodes well for a nation where people's votes are taken away because your vote is your voice. If your voice is muzzled, if your voice is silent, if your voice is not cared for, that government that doesn't care about your voice, it cares about power, it will pretend it cares about you. It doesn't care about you. If it doesn't value your voice, if you are not heard, you are not loved. Somebody say amen. Okay, number three, number three, Levi. So the next one, so, so she, she, she's seen but still not enough. She's heard and it's still not enough. So now she conceives again and she brings forth Levi and now she says, finally, I've brought, brought him three sons, not just one son, not just two sons, three sons. Now my husband will become attached to me because she would see how Jacob would come into her, be intimate with her, she would conceive, but then no sooner had they finished being intimate that all of a sudden the blankets come off and he hops out of the bed and goes back into the bedroom and sleeps with Rachel. He holds Rachel. Rachel's not giving any babies, but Rachel has his heart. Rachel has his attachment. He's attached to her. Leah is producing babies but there's no attachment. But she says, now surely after three boys, after three sons, my husband will become attached to me. The human condition, the hunger of the human heart is we long to belong. We need to be needed and we want to be wanted. Every single one of us, every single one of us want to find our tribe. We want to find our people. And people join gangs People join, you know, they become a biker, they become, people always looking, where, where, where are my people? Where are my tribe? I think when it comes to church, the most important thing when it comes to church, that people know when they come into church that they, they feel, my God, these are my people. The first thing that Adam said when he saw, remember God brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever they called them, that's what they became. But no helper was found amongst all the animals, amongst the entire world, amongst everything for Adam. So God makes a woman. And Adam says, oh my gosh, she's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. In other words, she's my people. That there was, there was a connection. There was an attachment. Every single one of us looks for our tribe. We look for our people. Who are my people? Don't go where you're tolerated. Go where you're celebrated is an adage that is kind of, become popular over the last, you know, decade or so in, in church and in life and in marriage. 
there's nothing worse than being in a marriage where you are just tolerated, where all that you hear is about your mistakes and about you can do this better, you can do that better, or about your faults. You want to be celebrated. A great marriage, the great way to become attached is you're celebrated. You are, you are whether you're a child, whether you're a brother or sister, or whether you're a husband or a wife, to be celebrated. You know, there's nothing worse than a, a nagging wife because nagging never produces the result. But if you as a wife want to see change in your husband, begin to praise him. Many years ago, I was at a, a, a San Diego Chargers when they were the San Diego Chargers before Los Angeles stole them. Um, and I remember watching the cheerleaders. Um, whole nother story. But anyway, I'm watching the cheerleaders. And, uh, but I noticed, I noticed we were losing. We were getting smacked. I mean, we were getting spanked big time. And the, the other team were in our half and they, they, they were literally like, I think it was like first and goal. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But I'm watching the cheerleaders and they're, they're still cheering, you know, go defense. And they were just as enthusiastic in us getting spanked, you know, and we're, we're down as they were when we were attacking and we had the, the opportunity to score. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I thought, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I start crying in the thing. So I go home and I tell Leanne, I said, babe, I said, you know, in our marriage, you know, what I want you to be is, she's like, you know, what do you want me to be? I said, I want you to be a cheerleader. She goes, it's the shorts. Well, it's kind of that, but it's more than that. I said, because what I noticed, the cheerleaders weren't just cheering for their team when they were winning. They were also cheering when they were losing. I said, if, if you will cheer, if you will put wind in my sails, I may be losing. I may have made a mistake. I may have, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to lead our family and I don't have a compass. I don't have a roadmap. I've come from dysfunction. All of this is new for me. And if you only praise me when I win, if you only praise me when I make good decisions, like I, I don't know if I can keep leading, but if you if you will still cheer and champion, even when, I'm wrong. And even when I've made a, a decision, I'll correct my way. Because when I hear your cheer, I want to rise. I want to be better. I want to be the husband you deserve. And I want to be the father my kids deserve. Can, do you think you can be a cheerleader even when things aren't going so well? Even when it looks like the enemy has come in like a flood. Isn't that beautiful? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard. I believe that when our wives rise in praise in the time that we're losing, it confuses the devil. And it's that lifting of the standard that comes against him. All of us long to belong when we want to be attached. Number four is praise. She has a fourth son and she names him Judah, which means praise. There's something about praise. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a saying, it's a colloquial saying about the Aussies that uh, an Australian, when he gets married, 10 years later, his wife says, you know, you haven't told me that you love me. He goes, well, I told you on our wedding day, if I, let, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. And uh, that doesn't bode well for anybody. So I found that, that it's a great habit to continually praise your, my bride continually praise your children, continually praise your leaders. Look for moments to recognize the people in your team, in your world and praise them, whether it's a friend. Send a text message and say, thank you for being such a great friend. I love, 
I feel so blessed that God has blessed me with a friend like you. I feel so blessed that God has blessed me with a bride like you, with a husband like you, with a son like you, with a daughter like you. Did you know that when when uh, someone wants to sell a house, one of the things that the banks want to know is before there's a mortgage and all that sorted out, we need to send somebody in to do a, an appraisal. To recognize value is an appraisal. When you praise, you recognize value. I've, I've noticed this, that, that the world is so negative and, and it's very easy for us to get self-condemnatory. It's very easy for us to, to heap up guilt and shame on ourselves. I'm no good. Oh man, I can't believe I made the same mistake again. So the, the voice in the home of continually bringing praise, continually being praised is to continually recognize value. Whatever you praise appreciates. To appreciate means to raise in value. If you will appreciate, thank you for doing that. Man, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful for you. The power of thank you, the power of I love you, the power of you're awesome, the power of man, I am the most blessed person in the world because God brought you into my life. When you begin to praise and appreciate, you literally begin to raise in value. You know, if I thought that, you know, Leanne saying yes was kind of like, in my league 31 years ago, I'm absolutely convinced that I married way, way above my pay grade just because of the value that I see in that extraordinary human being. And that's a good thing. I actually think that if every husband believed that they married out of their league, we'd have a whole lot less divorce and we'd have a whole lot more courting. I think J. John says it best. He said if there was, if there was uh, more courting in marriage, there'd be less marriages in court. If there was more courting in marriage, there'd be less marriages in court. Somebody say amen. All right, number five. We're landing the plane, I promise. Number five, number five. I hope this is helping somebody. Number five, she has Issachar, and Issachar means to be rewarded, to be rewarded. You know, the word worship literally comes from worth-ship. The word worship comes from worth-ship. There's something very, very, very powerful about remuneration. None of us want to want to work as a slave. None of us want to do all this labor and all this toil and all this work and not get anything back, not, 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 not be recognized. There's nothing greater than your boss comes and says, hey, we're giving you a bonus. Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. You're getting a, a, a raise. You're getting an increase in your salary. It's the same in a marriage. In a marriage for you to, to come and, and just buy flowers, buy a gift, honey, Tonight, you're not cooking. I'm taking you to that steakhouse. I'm taking you to that new restaurant that just opened. I made a reservation. I'm thinking of you. You know, for, for me, birthdays and Valentine's Days are they're, they're non-negotiables. They, they are essentials in the building blocks of building a great marriage, building a great, great relationship, because these are the moments where I get to reward her. To, and really what a reward is, you cannot reward if you don't recognize. A, a reward comes out of recognition. You know, Hollywood does it every year and, you know, and they, they, they schmuckify it, uh, you know, with the, the red carpet and they're all out there and then they give, you know, awards to the most woke and the most dope among them. But but there's, 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 a, there's a truth and a principle that they've captured. And I think that if we, if we have that in our own world, if we, honey, I bought flowers today because I just want you to know the way that you 
take care of the kids or the way they take care of home or the way that you look after me, how loved I feel, how blessed I feel, how special I feel. Rewarding is a, is a recognizing of worth, is a recognizing of value. I found this, that the happiest people are the thankful people. The most miserable people are the thankless people. If you said, what's the key to be, be miserable? Always complain. The Bible says, he who, he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. But uh, the, the Bible, go, you know, that same verse says, but to, to the person who's a complainer, their life is continual misery. But he was of a, of a merry heart has a continual feast. You can have a continual feast. Always be looking to appreciate. Always be looking to be grateful. Always be looking to reward, to bless. And then the fifth one, uh, sixth one, excuse me, the last one, the last one is to be honored. I love that. She says, surely now my husband will honor me. A number of years ago at Emerge, we were coming home from Emerge and the, the guest speaker that we had gave a word and he said, this is what I want every man to do. Every man has homework. When you get home, you get down on one knee, you take your wife's hands and you look into her eyes and you ask her this question verbatim. You're not allowed to change the script. This is the script. You have to look into her eyes and you have to ask her this question. Do you feel deeply loved by me? Not, do you know that I love you? Do you know that you're deeply loved? No, no. Do you feel? Because a woman processes through emotions, not through the cognitive. Men, cognitive, woman, emotional. Do you feel deeply loved? On the way home, it's about an hour and 10 minutes from Emerge Ranch to my house. My phone is blowing up. I can't do it. I know what she's going to say. Pastor, I don't want to go home. Like I've got all that and I'm trying to talk people off the edge. No, you can do it. Just go home. It's good for you. You need to hear that. You know, this is a break. This is going to be a breakthrough moment. But I remember walking into the door and I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of nervous. And and so I said to, to Leanne, I said, babe, I've, I've got some homework that I have to do. And she's like, what is it? I said, oh, I just, so I get down on my knee and she's like, what's going on? And I took her by the hand. I looked in her eyes and I said, Leanne, do you feel deeply loved by me? And she looked at me and she said, yes, but I don't feel honored. I don't feel honored. I feel that when we go out, you want to be the funny guy and I'm always the butt of your jokes. I'm like, yeah, but it's funny. She goes, it is at my expense. She says, you know, like I'm always the one thrown under the bus. I'm always the one that is, and I feel dishonored. I feel devalued. And it just, it literally pierced me like a sword. Here, here, here is a, a, a little girl who was born smiling. She marries me and we're trying to carry the, the weight of God's call and God's responsibility. And when I have moments to, to honor her, instead I dishonor her. So I made a decision on that day. And I've had a few corrective moments since because we all need it. Babe, teach me how to honor you. Because my perception of honor is very, very different to what hers is. And so over the, the years since that, that moment, I've learned how to honor. I'm, I should say I'm learning how to honor her. When you honor, 
honor is the culture of heaven. Honor is the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus couldn't do a mighty work in his hometown because of the lack of honor. There are a lot of people saying, well, you know, my, my marriage is, you know, if my marriage was better, then I'd honor. You know, if my wife was better, if my spouse was better, then, then I'd honor. But you don't understand what I'm living with. I'm living with this and I'm living below that and I'm living. Well, well, heaven is awesome because of honor. Jesus, who's carrying the anointing of heaven, comes into his hometown and he could do no mighty work. He couldn't do a mighty miracle in his hometown because of their lack of honor. So I would maybe flip that around. Maybe things are just mediocre because there's an absence of honor. I think maybe the honor precedes the breakthrough. I think maybe the honor precedes everything shifting. As, we, as I began to honor, it wasn't just beautiful for my bride. As I began to honor, I found that my heart began to change. Everything began to elevate in my life. They're the six hungers of the human heart to be seen, to be heard, to be attached, to be praised, to be rewarded, and to be honored. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Your campus pastor is going to come up and they're going to open up the altars. And if your life is not right with Jesus, today is the day to get your life right with Jesus. Lean into the Word of God. I am telling you, the Bible, this book, will transform your life. How do I know that? Me. Son of an atheist, born again, January 1986. And all I did was just said, hey, I've heard everything the world has got to offer and my life's empty. Somebody gave me a Bible. I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make out like this thing is, is from God and it's, and it's real. And I've got to tell you, 38 years later, it is not just real. It is fresh, real, and powerful. Heavenly Father, bless these beautiful people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.